This is Peter Field of the Triple Vision Podcast, and you're listening to AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, hey, look who it is. It's Mr. Ryan Fleury. No, I don't think I'm here this time. And <laughs> also joining us, uh, it's, it's the lovely, the talented Miss Liz Malone. I mean, I'm stricken with this feeling of deja vu all of a sudden <laughs> well you know what i'm noticing i'm noticing that uh, the intro of the show goes so much smoother when we have a when we have our dress rehearsal <laughs> so no, we're not getting into the habit of a dress it's, rehearsal uh, make, make a note make a note whoever is in charge of making notes all right uh, how, uh, how how are you guys today well doing well I'm okay, I guess. I just got off a four-day weekend, so today's my Monday, so... Mm. Yeah, it's a Tuesday. It's definitely a Tuesday masquerading as a... No, it's a Monday masquerading as a Tuesday. Yep. Very very Monday-ish. All right, well, without further ado, since uh, we ran into some technical issues and we're a little late, let's not waste any time and get this show on the road. So, Ryan... And just to clarify, you had technical issues. Not we. <laughs> <laughs> we were good to go. <laughs> Ryan. Yes, Rob. <laughs> the fun folks at home, what we're doing today. Today, we are speaking with disability advocate and host of the AMI show, Dish with Mary, Mary Mamaliti. And I hope I pronounced that right because I've been practicing that all day. You did. That is so impressive. Thank First goodness. time. Welcome nice. to the show, Mary. <laughs> Thank you. It is so good to be here. Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I am. I am. I didn't even pause when I said that. I said it immediately. Well, you're listen. You're a consummate professional. You're a broadcast professional. Yeah, I would expect no less. Um, this is why no, we don't they, have a show on AMI. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's why they haven't approached us for a show. Uh, <laughs> they're like, well, listen, we'll take the cowbell, but the rest. Of you- <laughs> I'd watch that show. I would watch that show. <laughs> uh, no, listen, Mary, uh, it's an absolute delight to have you. Um, so much to talk to you about. But before we, we dig into all of that, maybe you just give our audience a, a little bit of a snapshot of, of who you are and a little bit of your background. Okay, so you gave them my name, uh, Mary Mamaliti. I am a cook, a culinary expert. I just cook things. And I do uh, some TV, some radio. I've got a show, uh, which is with AMI, Accessible Media Inc., which is called Dish with Mary, um, where I go around, I travel across Canada, I meet some interesting people, um, a lot of chefs, and they walk us through, they give us a little insight into their lives. Um, and what I love most about the show, I mean, aside from me hosting it, I mean, <laughs> Is, is that it combines both worlds. So especially when it comes to cooking, cooking is something that it can be a scary place. It can be 
somewhere where a lot of people don't feel comfortable in it. That means that there's fire, there are knives, there are so many things that can be frightening, especially if you've got uh, a visual impairment. And for me, I have retinitis pigmentosa, I'm low vision, I have central vision. Um, and it, it wasn't always the case for me. So I, I loved cooking, but as many may know, with retinitis pigmentosa, your eyesight deteriorates over time. So I keep on losing my sight as time goes on. Um, and that's when I kind of reconnected and rediscovered the kitchen. But a lot of it with the show is is showing how we can do the same thing. We can still make our meals. We can still have fun in the kitchen with a couple of modifications. We just do it slightly differently. Um, and I love that we do it with some sighted chefs uh, and we teach them a thing or two as to how we master our kitchen, which is what I like as well. Um, and it's, it's a program that can be enjoyed by all it's inclusive. It's, it's fun. I mean, who's angry around food, right? Uh, no one, unless you're Gordon Ramsay who angry eats. But, uh, other than that, uh, it, it, it's just a fun, it's a, it's a good feel show. It's a, give it a, a glimpse into what we do in our kitchens and they're all recipes that can be done at home. So they're, created by chefs but they're cooked by home cooks which is what i love because that's my that's where i started home cooking so i want to talk to you a little bit about your vision journey um mm -hmm. because i feel like it's a it's a process i'm, I'm curious to know what what yours was kind of like so when, when were you first diagnosed with with rp i was first diagnosed um believe it or not in my early 20s so i went for the most part of my life i um I really didn't know what was happening to me. And I, I just, I, I knew there was always something different. So if I go back to, I want to say maybe seven years old, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just putting a, a time on that, but truthfully, I, it, it was really young. And I remember playing hide and seek with my cousins. And I tell this story all the time because this was, this was a defining moment for me. This is when I realized there was something different about me. Um, there was something that I saw the world very differently than others. And I didn't quite know why, but I knew it was different because we were playing, like I said, hide and seek, running around, you're hiding, you're looking for that great spot. It starts becoming five o'clock, six o'clock. It's getting a little dim out. Uh, it's after dinner. And I noticed that when I'm going, when I'm approaching the stairs, I had to stop and I had to really concentrate because what I didn't know then was that's one of the signs of RP is that your your depth perception is affected. Your night vision is affected. Um, I had no idea. I just remember telling my mom, I don't see it well. And time went on. I'm a little older. I want to say maybe my teens now. And I explained to my mom, look, I'm not seeing there's something different. And um, I'm just not seeing the way you're seeing things. So she takes me to the doctor, eye exam, and I was told I need glasses, um, which I did, but that wasn't really what was happening. That, that wasn't that wasn't exactly what my diagnosis should have been at the time. Um, and then fast forward a little bit, you're out with some friends. I mean, I even remember, and it's funny because I thought about this the other day, but I remember when going to a movie theater, right? We're thinking we're kids. We're going to a movie theater and it's the first time you got to go no chaperone no adults you're going with your buddies and this is fun like look at us we're adulting right now but 
Instead, it was a nightmare for me because I couldn't see those steps. Right. And there were lots of stairs, lots and lots of them. And I couldn't understand why everyone was going up and down, no problem, but I was struggling. Um, so that's when in my teens is when I said, look, I, I don't know what's happening. Um, and, and that's when the glasses came along. Now we're in my twenties. We're out club, we're out bar hopping, clubbing, doing right. the whole thing. Um, one night I, I couldn't find, like, I couldn't find the exit and it, it's, it's, it scared the heck out of me because I'm like, okay. in while you're in these bars or these dim places, I would, I, I don't know if anyone has ever experienced this, but this is what I've experienced is that I didn't know what was happening. I knew I was seeing differently. Um, and I didn't know how to explain it to people. So if someone were to hand me a drink, I couldn't see it. Um, it right. And if, if you're in a club, you're dancing, chances are I would dance by myself because I couldn't see their faces. I didn't know where I was. So I would just play it off. Like I was dancing by myself. Um, or you would turn down a drink because you couldn't see them handing it to you. Right. And then half the time I would play it off that, well, maybe I had one too many and this is why, or humor became a big part of my narrative because I started adding humor to if I miss a step or if I didn't see um, someone standing beside me. And it, it, it just became this whole routine. And, and that night when I couldn't find the exit and I started panicking, um, I just started following because my distance was okay at the time. So I used my distance to find things. It was when things got close, I couldn't really make them out. Um, I couldn't even see even a light flashing off the door frame for me to make it to the exit to meet my friends somehow made it out. And the next day I walked myself into emergency at the hospital and I explained my, um, my symptoms. They rushed me in right away. I had no idea why they rushed me in. Apparently what I was describing when you see like the flashing lights, um, a whole bunch of different symptoms that I explained, they thought I had a brain tumor. So they rushed me in right away. I didn't know this at the time. I just knew they were rushing me in. Uh, sure. And it wasn't that needless to say. And it was, they ended up having, cause it was during the day, an ophthalmologist on staff who came in to visit me and check my eyes. And they said, this is what we think is going on. We're going to send you to someone. Um, and you can go see them. Now I couldn't, I didn't know what the name was. They said, of course, retinitis pigmentosa. You could have said any name to me at that time. I had no idea what they had said. They just said there was something wrong with my eyes, which I had already known. Um, but this was the appointment that I needed. It was finally going to be, there was going to be some type of diagnosis. Uh, I went in and I unfortunately had the, is mispleasure a word? Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I unfortunately met um, an ophthalmologist who maybe had been doing this for quite some time and um, was a little desensitized because when I remember my sister was sitting on the chair next to me and uh, in the exam room and he says, well, this is what it is. You're going blind. And I, I kind of looked at him and my eyes welled up and I thought, I thought that's what I heard. And he said, well, there's no point in crying because you, you're going to go blind. It's not going to change anything. I'm like, okay, well, Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, well, there you have it. Uh, the color drained from my sister's face. 
I was in shock. So we walked ourselves out and immediately I had no idea what this was, what type of diagnosis. And at the time, I am not a dinosaur. I'm not 90, 100 years old. But at the time, we didn't have all the support groups that are online today. Um, there's a lot more accessible to us right now online than there was at the time when I was diagnosed. It wasn't very common. Um, and they had what they had were support groups. So they sent me to a support group, which was an in-person um, meeting event. And you would sit there and you would talk to other people who were diagnosed. And unfortunately, again, I was in a group of people who were very far along in the, in the condition and the disease. And I got to see a quick snapshot of what was to come. So I don't know if my body just shut down and I basically said to myself, this isn't happening to me, right? Like there's just, there's no way this has happened to me. I'm not going to let it happen. Um, because when you're diagnosed with a condition and they tell you that there's no, nothing they can do to either stop it, prevent it, uh, cure it, none of that. Immediately you're relinquishing all control of everything. And I don't know about you guys, but when I have to relinquish control over everything, it, it makes me a little uneasy. Um, and yeah. right, like you, you just, you have no control. And especially because you have no say in your own life, it's basically being dictated for you and, and you can't stop it from happening. So um, I remember just telling myself, this isn't happening. It's not happening. And then time goes on. Of course, it's progressing and I'm, Every day, I just keep on saying, this is fine. This is good. This is what it is. This is how it is. It's not happening. And it's not happening to me. I'm not going to let it happen. Who am I kidding? I'm not going to let it happen. It's going to happen. Right. Um, but at the time, you, you're not going to let it happen. Um, and I basically lived as an imposter in my own life for the most part of my life. I didn't tell many people. And if I did... We were too young and too too silly to understand really what it was and what the the full extent of this condition is that you know it would become a joke so i didn't know how to deal with that um i mean i think my favorite was when they would stay beside you could you see me now and of course i just i, I had so many answers lined up <laughs> but i took the higher road and i said nope i cannot see you now um but there were so many things I wanted to say. I've got those shelved for another day. And <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was a weird time for me, not understanding how I fit in and where I fit into life. And um, because I could see, but I couldn't. Um, I had a diagnosis, but no one knew really what it was. Right. It, it was that type of thing. I have RP also, and our mm -hmm. journey is almost identical and no we've had way. a lot of guests who who have rp on this on this program but you and i we have the same childhood ambiguous eye condition mm -hmm. sort of showing the early signs i was diagnosed at 20 had the crappiest delivery by a medical professional oh my gosh had the scary instances out and in living in New York City as someone in their 20s. And I even fell into a sidewalk cellar on the street. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. everything you're saying, 
uh, I can 100% relate to. Uh, down to, I mean, every detail. I was sitting there saying, like, oh my God, like, what? oh God, like, wow, we, like, boy, I, I, I were we separated at birth or you something? See, <laughs> I've never met anyone who has experienced the exact same things that I have. No, it is, we are so parallel. It's almost a little frightening. The only thing I would add to that is that when I went to the movies and I had that same thing happen to me is that, uh, I can't even tell you how many strangers laps I've sat in because I when you're scooting down the road <laughs> and you think there's no one there and you sit and then you get someone that, yeah. So I, I, so yeah, so I, I tripped down many a stairs at the movie theater, sat in many of people's laps. I've uh, had someone ask me for my phone number when I sat in their lap. <laughs> many of faking of the, I can't, you know, I couldn't see my drink. And yeah. so it, it's, it, I, it doesn't make it the journey um, less challenging, but you're not alone if there's any any comfort in that, because it's uh, uh, honestly, you're, you're one of the first that I you are probably the first I've met that we've had such a similar storyline in terms of every detail, the friends, the the can you see me now? Can you see this? Can you see mm-hmm. that? I mean, so. Yeah, it's a little it's a little frightening. So, wow, yeah, wow. I think we yeah. need to go for DNA tests and um, find out that we're. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I'm I'm ready for that. <laughs> so, what at what point does it all start to sort of click in? Where you've been diagnosed, you kind of see this on the horizon, but you still you're not ready to accept it. What's that day like? Where you do, you either get the information that you need that, that's required where you, you actually click in and, and you start to accept this sort of as a new reality. I didn't really have an aha moment. I didn't have a moment where a light bulb went off. It was, it came to a screeching halt. I ran into a wall, uh, not literally, but figuratively, because what happened was I was a financial analyst. I didn't do this all the time. I wasn't a cook all the time. Um, I was originally a financial analyst and I didn't tell anyone at work and my eyesight was deteriorating even further. So you're hiding it from coworkers. You're hiding it from friends. You're hiding it from so many different people. And there were, I think only a handful of coworkers that knew what was happening. Um, My eyes just gave out the strain of everything. Um, I just saw everything. It was a haze. And I shut down my computer because I had two monitors at the time and you're looking at spreadsheets and you're looking at numbers and the amount of strain that I was putting on my eyes was just absurd. And I just kept on going. I was just pushing myself more and more. Um, And my body just said, that's enough. And I left the office. I came back home I, I don't know about you, Liz, but for me, it wasn't an instant moment where I said, oh, this is what ha- what's happening. No, it, it, it for me, it was still in denial that I'm not losing my sight. This this is not happening. And me thinking that I was going to return and go back to the way things were. That wasn't the case because I couldn't see the way I did before. I'm now given a new set of eyes. What do I do now? Um, I basically got to the point where I wouldn't leave my home. So from going out, hiding everything, being fairly independent to 
I don't want to go out. I'm afraid. Everything became scary. And um, I don't know. I mean, even taking a walk around the block, that was terrifying to me alone. And that I one day just had my pajamas on. Thank goodness for Canadian winters. So I can put this long duvet of a coat on and walk outside and no one knew I had my pajamas on. Um, and I just walked around the block and I had my husband on the phone and I said, I got to do this, but I, I'm afraid to do it. Will you talk to me? So he talked to me halfway around. He said, you got this. I hung up. If I tell you smoke was coming off the heels of my boots because I was walking so fast to get home because I was terrified that something was going to happen. It's always that what if, what if I do this or what if this happens or what if I miss that? It, we're trying to be at least I was trying to be a mind reader and, and seeing the future like my crystal ball like this was going to happen uh, but fear just took over and then slowly I just started working from there was the same did you have the same type of situation or we're we're very similar in the fact that I think that with RP you're constantly making adjustments Right. There's you never get to get comfortable in a in one vision place for too long. So you can and then you can wake up one morning and just have a crappy eye day mm -hmm. and you think, oh, my God, the RP just got worse. Oh, my God, I just lost this. And then you realize, OK, it's maybe very humid or the you know barometric pressure is higher and it's putting a little more strain on your blood vessels. And then two days later, you're kind of back to where you were. So there's that constant feeling of uneasiness, I guess you could mm -hmm. say, because you never feel visually you're on solid ground. So, and I definitely understand that on a bad day or when things change, everything that you thought you knew how to do, now it's completely shifted. <laughs> and that the, the things that you felt really strong and comfortable doing now, you don't necessarily feel so comfortable. So you're constantly relearning, readjusting, and it's constantly re resetting your expectations and readjusting your fears and anxieties of the new things that you now have to do differently. So it is, it's that, it's that very scary, unsettled, just always feel that you have to be very cautious because nothing could be the same from day to day. So, I mean, I think we're saying similar things in, in different mm -hmm. ways, but, um, but the way it manifests in terms of the, uh, the anxiety, well, you know, I mean, in Mary's case, it, it, you know, walking around the block and in, in, in my case, maybe I'm not as, it could be cutting a vegetable. Now I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to touch that knife. Now I'm afraid I'm just, mm -hmm. so we all have our different things that we were really comfortable with that. Now when, when the vision changes, it completely changes our confidence level. After that, Mary, then, so was sort of the first big thing that, that changed was, was it the job? Yeah, that was the big change. That was the change that started it all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would have to definitely say it was, it was the job. And previous to that day, did, did they have any idea that, that you were losing your vision? Was that something that you sort no. of kept on the down low? I kept it quiet. Right. I did. I mean, the re I know differently now, but at the time I tell myself, I told myself, or I don't know if everyone did this, but I told myself that if I were to say something, I would be treated differently. Yeah. Um, right. Like they, they would look at me differently. They would possibly or potentially say that I can't do my job. 
Yeah. And I know, don't tell me, I know damn well I can do my job type thing. Um, and I think that was a big fear of mine. But I also think that if I did say it and tell someone, um, that would mean I would have to say it out loud, which means then it makes it real. Right. And it makes that makes you know, it, it just lets you know that this is happening. Um, so I think it was a combination of both. I just didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want to be treated differently. I mean, if I had known or I had just sat back and thought, I'm pretty awesome being different. Right. Why wouldn't I want people to know that I'm different? But at the time that that's what you fear most. Or at least I did of being different. Different's pretty cool. Being sort of in the community, you kind of have the perspective now. This is why I, I feel like educating into the mainstream is so important. You know, not just for, for everybody in the community, but also for the people that are coming into the community. Because that's the that's the Ooh. thing about the disability community is that ev most everybody is sort of on their way there, even if it's temporarily. So it really... Not, not not having that fear and and you know understanding that having a disability isn't the end of things it's it's just a new beginning um i think is, is so so important for everybody to recognize but i think we would also i look at mainstream media and i think to myself that if i had seen more people like me represented in mainstream media not as being the victim, not as being helpless, which is what you see a lot in mainstream media, mm -hmm. right? Is that someone with a disability, they need help. Right. Um, and I think that impacted a lot of how I thought, because I would see that and I'm like, well, people are going to treat me that way. Right. I, I think it all comes from also from mainstream media. And I want to bring this in because it means so much to me to have shows like that are on AMI uh, right. podcasts like yours, um, just representing and, and getting stories out there, um, names out there, everything just to, to know that there are people in this community that are doing some awesome things. I was ready to say awesome shit. And then I remember awesome things. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. You can say awesome shit. <laughs> It's all good. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and that's you know that's always been a mandate for us. I mean, early on when we first started this podcast, we were it was it was kind of a, a bit of a marketing ploy to talk about assistive technology, which was the the um, sort of the field that we were we were all in mm -hmm. at the time. And uh, really quickly, we realized that that was incredibly boring, and it was much more interesting to talk to people in the community and just get a sense of what they were doing and their stories and. Um, it, it's such a it's such a more of a rewarding thing to to explore and to talk about. Um, and, and, you know, we, we get a kick out of talking to anybody, you know, it, it, mm -hmm. the greatest quote that I that I ever heard from a guest was everybody has their mountain to climb. If walking around that block for you, that was your mountain at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was as important to you as somebody who's literally climbing a real mountain, who's climbing, you know, Kilimanjaro blind. Um, it's all it's all about perspective. And really the important part of that message is everybody has the ability to push themselves through a boundary or a barrier that might have been placed by them themselves or by society. Mm -hmm. But but the ability is there. Those are the stories that, you know, that that I think are important to, I agree. to put out there into the world. 
All right. Well, enough of that. Let's talk about this show of yours. Yes. Uh, because mm, food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because Ryan's been waiting to talk about food. For bacon. Like half bacon. Bacon. I think we sorry. know that Mary has not listened to our show if she heard all the disgusting things we say about food. <laughs> she would be like, oh my God, I am not connecting my show <laughs> my name and my show. good palate and my good skills to this smorgasbord of disgusting food talk. Okay, I need to go and listen to uh, quite a few episodes after we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, we've we we have we've 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 talked we've talked a lot about food. But t- t- talk to me a little bit about how this happened. Then, so you were you always have an interest in food, even though your your career obviously went on a different path initially. Oh, I always loved cooking. I come from a foodie background. Uh, my uh, Italian Canadian and food was always at the center of everything. Um, I mean, you had a headache, eat. You know, someone's coming over here, eat something. It was always food, right? You're feeling sad. Here's some food. Um, It was always, food was always there. But we also had an open door policy. And honestly, everyone would just pop in. So there was constant uh, treats or anything always on the table. Whether it was a pot of coffee brewing, um, cookies, food. If you stopped in and it was around dinner time, we're like, pull up a chair, you're having dinner with us. Um, so it was something I always grew up with. Right. And um, I, I, it was actually part of my therapy, which I didn't even know uh, could possibly happen. After that walk around the block, I just, I went into the kitchen. I started cooking again. Because I mean, when you're, I was in co- the corporate world and I was so consumed with building a career or doing this and doing that, that I, I put things that i truly loved on the back burner. Um, and this gave me the opportunity to revisit them. And I started just, like you were mentioning Liz, that cutting, just chopping vegetables in a new way or um, creating food. I realized the connection between food and my condition is that I don't need anyone to help me in the kitchen. I'm myself. It, it was empowering because I didn't have anyone saying, oh, watch your step or oops, you bumped into that. Um, or here you go here and let me hand you that. It was just me and the task at hand, whatever I was doing. And whether it was good, bad or ugly at the end, I get to reward myself because I get to eat that. <laughs> so I realized how empowering food had become. And that's when I started cooking again and just really reinventing recipes. And I, I really wanted to lean into the healthy but quick, simple, um, and easy recipes to make at home that anyone can make. So I want to talk a little bit about that process because because it, it also strikes me as it it must have felt a little bit empowering because you know your kitchen, mm-hmm. you know everybody does. Was it fairly easy to adapt your kitchen to your vision and make it a real a bit of a safe space? It was, but it took some time, a little bit of trial and error. Um, and then I mentioned I do have uh, my husband, Frank. So when we cook together, that's a new way of cooking as well, because I can't see certain things. And for example, if he leaves a drawer open, that's a no, no. Right. <laughs> I'm ramming into that guaranteed. I will find that drawer somehow, some way <laughs> I can be at the other end of the kitchen and I will find that drawer. Um, but it's that type of thing and learning that, you know, just call out. I got the dishwasher open or I'm over here to your left or certain things like that. But definitely in the kitchen, one of the 
first things I taught and learned was to keep a very organized kitchen. So I don't have to search for things that, because that's half the battle is searching for what you need. Um, And if someone moves something of mine, I'm like, okay, who moved what? Why did you move it? Where did it go? And it's like a big deal. Um, But it's funny because now we know everything. What is it? What's the saying? Everything has a place and there's a place for everything. Right. There we go. Does it ever strike you as particularly amazing when you when you look back at your journey and go, well, you know, I used to be I used to be a financial analyst and I'm on TV. I always say I'm the happiest I've ever been with less sight. And it's just because I truly live now a life that I wish I had decided to live years ago. Um, But it's better late than never. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, I, I truly am. It, it, I, I'm so grateful for everything because even when I wake up in the morning, honestly, I do this every morning. I'm not making this up. This is not something from Tony Robbins. I do, I do sit at the edge of my bed and I make sure I say that I'm grateful for one thing, whether it's a small thing, but every morning start off with one little ounce of, of gratitude for something that I can do that day or that I've done or that I've been given. Um, and I think that helps ground me. We've we've had multiple guests where where you know they were they were just living their life and then you know, whatever they had vision loss mm-hmm. or something and now they're a para, Paralympic athlete or now they're they're hiking the the Appalachian Trail doing all of these things that they never would have would have dreamt before no. something like vision mm-hmm. loss happened to them these transformative experiences that people go through it's not all about neg- negativity yes they can be difficult and you know and I'm not diminishing that at all. But it's just, I think it's important for people to realize who may be going through something like that is that it's transformative in a multitude of ways. And, you know, you just kind of got to go through the process and you don't know what's going to find you on the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am. Yeah. So, okay. So getting back to the show. So for people who maybe haven't watched it at all, not familiar with with maybe the format. Just walk mm-hmm. us through a little bit of, of what happens on a typical episode. So at, in an episode, we have a recipe that, so we meet with chefs all across Canada and they share one of their signature recipes or one of their favorite recipes, something that they make often. Um, and they share that with our viewers and it's accessible. Um, it is delicious like it's so much fun but we start off we start off i think with cooking in the kitchen like i'm getting hungry i just ate dinner what's wrong with me um <laughs> we start off in the kitchen uh and then we go out because i get to travel and visit them in their cities um wow. yeah so we we meet them there they talk to us whether it's their restaurant whether it's their kitchens somewhere and we get to know them and we get to know where they're from and uh, we get to experience a little bit of their cities. Like we went to Montreal, to Victoria, to so many beautiful places within Canada. Uh, Canada is really beautiful. And it's got some, honestly, we really do have the friendliest people. I'm sorry, we do. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Liz. Sorry, Liz. <laughs> sorry, Regina. <laughs> so fly out, meet them. Um, talk a bit about them, get to see their restaurants. We walk everyone through. What's beautiful also about Dish with Mary is aside from the delicious food, aside from the recipes, aside from the accessible tips that I share, um, 
is that it's got integrated describe video, which is the description is embedded within the conversation in the show. Mm. So it can be watched by everyone. Yeah. And that's one of the, one of my favorite things about it. So as a foodie then, yes. um, have you had like any, like really a geek girl moments where you're geeking out because you get to, to do a show with like a chef that you've sort of known and is like a, a bit of a celebrity to you? I geek out with every chef that comes on <laughs> me as long as it's food. And if it's something that I've never worked with before or never tasted, um, right. I get really excited, almost like a, a little fifth grader. Like you could see, like I, I, I'm constantly smiling. I think all my teeth are showing in these smiles. Um, <laughs> I just get really excited <laughs> about it. Uh, and it's just a lot of, it's a lot of fun to meet and everyone. It, everyone's got a story and everyone's, to me, everyone is just, I just find people so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It's always, especially things like chefs. I mean, I always find it really fascinating to, to hear about how people, you know, sort of pick that career path because mm -hmm. I, I like it's a very niche um, career path. And, and I think you, you sort of do have to have a, a certain type of brain, I think, to be a, a really good chef. And it's interesting to hear how some of them decided to become a chef, yeah. why they chose that career path. It's not always what we think is that it's not always been embedded in them or it's, it, it's been, I love the ones that where it's been this moment where they've been a line cook and it's like, Oh, maybe this is what I should be doing. Um, and, or they nothing to do with cooking and then just suddenly pick up and start creating recipes, which I find fascinating. Like, where did this come from? It's just, it was a random yeah. day that they just decided to make something and and it, they realized okay this is what i should be doing and this is a lot of what we do on dish with mary is if we find these these um interesting stories to tell well that and that was going to be my next question is that so do you have a hand in selecting say the chefs that you you end up cooking with yes yes i do um so i work with um the production company, uh, AMI, we all work together. And honestly, it's just, it's such a great process. And now, so and what season are you guys up to now? We just finished season four, actually, uh, season four last episode, I think is airing this Thursday, but you can definitely, uh, stream them online at AMI plus and catch up on all the seasons. You can, I think they will be re replaying them or, on TV as well on right. AMI TV, um, but you can catch it on Thursdays, 9 wow. p.m. Eastern on AMI TV, AMI Plus, um, YouTube, I think. Yeah. Yes. I have to say, I love AMI Plus. I've been I've been working through a ton of content uh, on that. It's so great that that it's now just yeah, you can just stream anything. Right. And of so, course, you've been watching Dish with Mary. Thank you very much. Of course. Yeah, totally. <laughs> He's waiting for the recipe book to come out. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> oh, I love it. Just something about cooking shows and they have that overhead camera and every like, and honestly, I, I actually want to go out and buy like, you know, 25 of those little dishes because it looks, it looks so easy to cook. When, when they're measured? All the ingredients. Yeah, when you measure them, all pre-measured, you put them in the little dishes so that, you know, you can just start dumping stuff together. What, what do they call that? Is that mise en, mise en place? Mise en place. Oh, see, yeah, what she said. I was close. <laughs> 
You're right. You're right. I had the M and the P right. It's a Petri uh, dish is what it is. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> Nothing fancy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, it's, it's so fascinating. And it just, it, it, it does like the, the thing that fascinates me, fascinates me about cooking shows and, and cooking in general is just that when, when people who are good at it are doing it, they make it sound and look so easy to do. And then you try to cook, you know, mac and cheese and you burn it. (laughs) But for the most part, it is. I mean, if you follow a recipe, I guarantee it'll work out. I was good. I stopped myself there. Because (laughs) (laughs) it can't, I mean, things can go wrong. But like I said, the beauty of it is that, I mean, it's for you. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, if it's still edible, wolf it down. It's all yeah, good. No, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you, you're right. Whenever I've gone wrong, it's, it's been a matter of. You did anyway. Like, no, it's just, <laughs> no, it's usually just, you know, it's like baking powder, baking powder or steak. I'm sure it's the same thing, whatever. <laughs> That's baking soda, but I'll just put baking powder in. I mean, can't be I mean look, I have my share of fails. And I know when a dish isn't that great because my husband will say, well, you know, it's just for us to eat. That is the trigger right there. (laughs) I know when, okay, this was not a hit. This was probably a swing and a miss, but (laughs) it's still edible. Have you found that in any of your, uh, your, your show episodes that your interaction with some of these chefs and maybe their that their time with you and experiencing or getting gaining some insight from a blind or low vision perspective has sort of influenced them in terms of how they think about their cooking and how people experience food? Absolutely. I have had many of them say that they actually, um, they look at their kitchens differently now, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is so much fun to hear because it's, it's giving them, it's making people think. It's making people think outside the, not think, but think outside the box. Um, because when you have, I call them my 2020s, my 2020 people, when they can see things, they take little things for granted. That is a huge deal for someone like me who's cooking. Um, it could be salt and pepper, right? Don't mix up the containers because then I'm putting pepper instead of salt and salt instead of pepper. If the containers are the same, uh, that type of thing, the way they set up, their pans they think twice now um it's just there's so many little tips that after working with us and and working on the show they they said you know they just they tend to look at everything even when they go somewhere how dim is it in here is it accessible um even their own restaurants they to ensure that their own restaurants are accessible which is what i absolutely love is people just thinking outside the box and not making things accessible a- an afterthought does that make sense yeah oh 100 right because like i mean everything that is done today and or everything that has been done over time is that every time they've worked on something whether you're creating a menu whether you're creating a restaurant whatever it is accessibility is always a second thought an afterthought where it's time that that accessibility comes to the forefront and becomes part of the creation process and i th- and i'm hoping that shows like these will help people see that and do that and work with that. And I, you know, and I do really feel like, you know, people in the community, you know, probably do feel a little bit um, intimidated by 
you know, cooking and, you know, being around a hot stove, being mm-hmm. around sharp knives and stuff. So it isn't really important to, you know, put that message out there. It's like, well, yeah, but it's just, it's just a matter of, of adapting uh, a kitchen and making it safe and making it a, you know, making it comfortable for you. And you can cook up anything that anybody else can. Absolutely. And there are so many tools out there that we could use that. I mean, there's a cutting, uh, a cutting glove, which that if yeah. you put it on, you cut, I mean, you guys may have heard of it. It won't cut your fingers. Some people find that easy to work with. Um, it, there's just so many little things that can yeah. help and just make a huge difference and just help someone build their confidence. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We, we talked to this guy uh, not long ago uh, that has a YouTube channel called the grilling grilling experience. Oh yes, I know. You you know him, right? Yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I had no idea that, you know, he he talks about this this particular type of barbecue that's like mm-hmm. a ceramic that doesn't get hot uh, yes. at all on the outside. Amazing. Never, never knew that something like that existed. Um and you know, he, and again, he talks about these gloves that you can get that won't burn, that you won't get burned. Um, so yeah, there there are all these adaptations out there uh, that people just don't know about. That's that that may be holding it back. So, and know, someone I, like Amazon is carrying them now. <laughs> <laughs> what don't they carry? But that's a whole other episode. It's true. Well, I haven't had sight in almost thirty years, but I recall watching shows that were cooking based or themed and Mm -hmm. the the chef's produce and well all food always looked brighter and more colorful so are there secret places that chefs get to shop for the (laughs) primest food or is it all just filters (laughs) it's called a food stylist (laughs) that's not ice cream it's crisco (laughs) buffing up an apple before we shoot it exactly Um, but yeah when it's cooked food no i mean they're they're styling it where you can get the prettiest angle for it but it is the sure. actual cooked food uh but when it is stuff like apples and uh vegetables and greens and that they try to get the most fresh vegetables they can yeah uh get the pretty ones that that photograph well i guess i don't know <laughs> I they shop get to go the, shopping before the stores open get the yeah. good stuff first <laughs> and i shop in the imperfect section of the produce aisle oh there you go <laughs> the imperfect food the That's misfit right. the misfit bunch you know that's the, it they're that's so me. good yeah <laughs> listen i i'm the i'm not that customer that's secretly like hitting the thing so i can get a bruise price on this you know <laughs> hey, bruise prices <laughs> hey it's a tough time right now you gotta you gotta use whatever <laughs> trick you can have you seen fruit, fruot prices in the united states oh, i've never move. seen so many people sharing uh shopping tips at a grocery store like just strangers were like do you guys see the butter down here <laughs> it's yeah. like three dollars off it's true <laughs> so true grocery prices are bringing us together Mary, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on our our show and chatting with us for a while. Uh, It's been an absolute delight. Where the heck, and and we've already answered this, but let's Mm -hmm. let's plug it again. Where and when can can people find the show if they're interested? Oh, I'm happy to plug it. Uh, You can find it on AMI-tv. It is at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can stream it on AMI Plus, Dish with Mary. You can catch up on previous seasons. Enjoy it. Have fun. Thank you. 
And if they actually actually want to learn more about you, do you have a, do you have a website or, or some I social? I do. Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram at Kitchen Confession, no S at the end. Uh, you can find me at kitchenconfession.com. I am on TikTok. I am on Twitter. I am, oh, so X, formerly Twitter. <laughs> I am on Threads, Facebook. You know, I'm there. I'm around. You'll find me. And please do find me. <laughs> is there going to be a season five? What's what's happening? Or is it already in the works? What's what's. Uh, hey, I, there's a good there's a possibility. Never right. know. Excellent. Gordon Ramsay Excellent. makes an appearance. <gasps> I would cool. faint if Jamie Oliver made an appearance. I think I'd pass out. You'd have to resuscitate me on set. <laughs> Are you listening, Jamie? Did you hear that? Jamie, out, let us know. hear me. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I, I love Gordon Ramsay. I just watch him yell at people for like an hour. Oh, he's great. He, he's great, but he, my anxiety levels go up. I feel like oh, I just I, feel bad for the I need to have a bottle of chamomile after. But <laughs> a bottle of something. Very, something. Very, very entertaining to watch. Uh, Mary, once again, we thank you so much. Uh, best of luck with the show. Um, and uh, we'll be watching. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. You guys are fantastic. Oh. Oh. She's oh. just saying that because it's true. <laughs> as soon as she disconnects those DJ Burkhouse on Buggers 8 son of a bitch in here yeah, we had to start the show twice it was ridiculous cowbell what the hell's with that okay I only heard the cowbell once can we get another cowbell we can let me grab the cowbell oh. <laughs> and thank you for that you're welcome Mary so. I'm going to reach out to you when I come up to Toronto we're going to go for dinner Please do. Please, please, please do. Are you guys on social at all or? Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm we're there. A, we're there. <laughs> we, have there. A, we have a place. We're there. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, Mary I'm in it. No, and also yourself. I'll email you after the show. Please. Okay. Good. Uh, I love Thank it. you Rob's, all. Rob, Rob's like, why are you always mingling with all their guests? Like, I know. Like I'm getting <laughs> guests' emails and stuff. I never. She comes so back shocked. to us and says, "These guests won't leave me alone. They keep hounding me." <laughs> oh, he's so full of crap. <laughs> we'll add you to our WhatsApp chat. <laughs> right, okay. right, good. good. All right, Mary. Well, thanks bye. again. And, thanks, Mary. Uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Bye, bye. Thank you. Uh, there you oh, go. Oh, what a lovely lady. Lovely, lovely indeed. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I bet you she doesn't do Whopper poutine combos. No. I bet, I bet you she doesn't dip her Cool Ranch Doritos into <gasps> chocolate sauce. Oh, I forgot about oh, that. Yeah, That's right. That. Oh, we should have mentioned that. She might have been. She might have been okay with that. We, That's we're we're waiting for a, a major publisher to pick up the AT Banter cookbook, but there seemed to be you know some stalling happening. I don't know why. Why we should you kind of in that arena? Like, what are you waiting for? Don't you work with publishers? I'm suddenly not yeah. feeling so well, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but she works for real publishers and aren't going to be interested in our, in an AT Banter our cookbook. Cookbook about Doritos, <laughs> Doritos and chocolate, macaroni and cheese. <laughs> actually deals with real authors. <laughs> Well, the but real no, we should have started out somewhere too, you know. We we should have. That's true. Uh, no, we should have mentioned that actually to we because I don't know. I feel like that's like there's that's like there's a culinary term for the, for the idea of like dipping Cool Ranch into chocolate, which is I don't know, like a mixture of. She's gonna say cream. it's that's like that's like it's fondue. It's like chocolate fondue. Yeah, yeah. But just really 
bizarre. Man, I want that now. Just think of, just think about like kind of doing the whole off the beaten track fondue thing where like you get the chocolate and the cheese, but you get unusual things to dip, like, like Coenche Doritos and, you know, how about dipping a Cheeto into cheese sauce? Ooh. Oh. See, I I got all kinds of food ideas. And then (laughs) they just salsa. Salsa Cheeto. (laughs) Salsa Cheeto. Salsa Cheeto. Yeah. No, there's some. Yeah, we know. Okay, well, now you know what? I'm writing this AT Banter cookbook. I'm writing this down because actually this. We should cool. really come up might, with one and really actually, actually be able to come up with something. Cookbook. I'm going to give it away as a prize. Yeah, there you go. absolutely. Sell it. Chat GPT will help us put it together. There you go. Is, is there anything that Chat GPT can't do? Not yet. All right. Well, uh, Anything else to say about that? Uh, are you going to watch? Oh, wait. Can you, did we, have you tried to log into AMI Plus or have you tried to use it, Liz? I have not. I have to get a VPN or something, no, right? I don't think no, you, it's got I don't AMI. Think That's you. No, I, I don't think you do. I don't, I, because I think that all of their original programming, like, you know, Dish with Mary and stuff, you'll, you'll be able to get because it's the original show. It's not, it's not geofence. Any sort of licensing deals. Yeah. So all of their original programming you should be able to get. I'm guessing. So you should you should try it. Amiplus.com. CA. Dot CA. Dot CA, damn it. Well, it's probably it probably com go probably goes to the same place, I would imagine. Probably bought both domains. I can't see them not buying both domains. Um, but yeah, you should give it a try. Uh, you know, give uh Give your new BFF, uh, give her show. My, a... my RP twin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty surprising, huh? Uh, how similar her story was. Yeah. No, it was strikingly similar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just wonder, I wonder how common of, of a story that is because, you know, RP is kind of, it, it seems to be that it doesn't get diagnosed super early. It seems like. They, it depends they... on, it depends on the mutation. Some are yeah. just a little more progressive than others. You know, you could have a you could have a four year old child that has five degrees of vision, and then you could have somebody who's, you know, fifty and just now, you know, cresting at in, in legal blindness and narrowing to fifteen degrees. So, right. yeah, it's 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 so it's just so bizarre. It's it's so yeah. hard to put put your thumb on it just because of the. The mutations on it but yeah but she's my first that it was just so identical wow. all the way down the line wow yeah well it's good well do you get to toronto often i'm trying to plan a trip to toronto so well, see, there you go you have dinner with her she'll probably cook you something really good meal or something yeah and i well remember I'm, i want to try to go to the ami uh studio and do a little visit with um with my okay never mind that's gonna that's gonna be really ironic if you get to go to like on an AMI tour <laughs> and, and the rest of us are sitting over here in vancouver well, she's I'll a lot t- closer than we are we're like a five and a half six hour flight yeah that's true actually i'll, well, I'll take i'll take pictures yeah all right fine <laughs> make sure they're all <laughs> american gets to gets to do the tour if they let me in 
Well, that's true. They will just say, hey, listen, I'm with AT Banter. We're, they're, we're, we're their biggest supporter at this point. I, I'm not talking about AMI. No, I'm talking that's... about the country of Canada. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, no. It is an election year. That's true. No. <laughs> fine so far. Yeah, get get over here before November. <laughs> plan a trip because who knows what's going to happen after that well, who's, who knows what's going to happen down there in November I'm, that's what I mean yeah. I'm, who knows? Coming, I'm coming to Canada to visit my fiance Rob <laughs> we right. ought to be wed <laughs> here's my green card I don't know how that works how long does it take to get a green card are, are they even green in Canada that's an American thing don't know. there might be a different color here It'd be a yellow card. Well, they can find us on Facebook, X, and Mastodon. Liz, where else can they find us? Oh, uh, yeah, where else? Uh, they can find us at atbanter.com. That's and right. hey, you know what? They can drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbanter.com. We almost, we almost pulled off a really unique outro there, except I screwed it <laughs> That was good. Yeah, I like it when Ryan takes the reins like that. Yeah, you like when I take charge, do you? No. <laughs> Not really. Not when you put it like that. It makes me feel icky. Look, look, how we all, look how we all fell in line. Like, we just, like that cute little choo-choo train, like one it's, right after listen, the other. It's because we're consummate professionals. Around here. <laughs> we're That's something. Right. I don't know about that, but we're something. That's right. Start thinking about the anniversary show. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Starting our ninth season in April. Wow, season nine. Yep, sweet. We we live, we're more seasons in Game of Thrones. Something <laughs> <laughs> to be proud. Of. That is right. All right, I think that is going to about do it for us this week. Uh, big thanks, of course, to Mary for joining us, and we will see everybody next, next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions, as well as physical access solutions and augmentative communication aids across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com, or if you're in the Vancouver Lower Mainland, visit our storefront at number 106-828 West 8th Avenue in Vancouver. That's one block off Broadway at Willow. You can reach us by phone toll-free at 1-844-795-8324 or by email at sales at canastech.com.